Very cool. Did you know we've got about 50 small groups in our church? And so I reckon uh, one or two Christmas boxes per small group. I reckon we can knock it over just like that. What do you reckon? I think there's a good goal. So each box is about $150 in value. So uh, start putting your pennies aside. Does anyone even collect coins anymore? No, most of us go in cashless. So uh, just, just, just put some money aside in your budget and uh, let's, let's uh, do some, yeah, let's really just pour out our generosity uh, over this next season. Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, today is uh, the International Day of Prayer um, for the Persecuted Church. It's an opportunity for us to identify with and, and recognize uh, what people are going through. And I shared that story of Khan and uh, the, the, the horrible things that happened to him because of his faith and his trust in God. And he was hospitalized with head injuries, head and arm injuries, but even with that trauma that he faced, he went straight back to his village and he was determined to return. And this is what he said. He says, if I leave, who will tell them about Jesus? How can they learn about him if not through me? Khan said, the more brutally they beat me, the more I saw their need for a loving Messiah. Khan and his family still remain in the village, and despite the dangers, they're still sharing the love of Jesus with their community. What, what is it that takes over somebody to go and do that? <laughs> to go and love people that hate you, that want to persecute you, want to harm you. What is it? It's something called hope. Hope that rests in the heart of a believer that says, you know what, you can take my life, you can take all of this away from me, but I have a hope that is for now, but also an eternal hope and promise. Hope is what fuels the soul. You can take away a person's health, their freedom, their finances, their family, but you can't take away a person's hope. And someone can endure the loss of all of these things if hope actually remains. Anyone notice that hope seems to be waning? You know, so many more people taking their lives for various reasons, but one of the reasons people take their own life is because of hopelessness, wondering whether or not it's even worth living, whether it's even worth being here on this planet. We find ourselves in disillusionment and disappointment and in despair, struck down by one of the greatest diseases of our time, which is hopelessness. In times of trouble, God gives us an opportunity to gain an unshakable hope in Him and carry it to a lost world. Biblical hope is so much more than wishful thinking. Wishful thinking might say, well, I kind of hope I get a car park or I hope I have a good day tomorrow. I hope it doesn't rain. It's wishful thinking, but biblical hope is much greater and deeper than that, regardless of circumstance. As David Peters says, hope is a patient, confident, and joyful, listen to that, joyful expectation of good. We can have hope even in the midst of darkest moments. The central theme of the Bible is, is one defined by hope. Promises that God made to his people and stories of hope. The scripture we're going to explore today in our series sounds familiar is one that if you've been in Elam a little while, it might be one that uh, you've heard before. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Does it sound familiar? Maybe for some. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the hope that you give us, that, Lord, I I know people are here today uh, wondering whether you're even real, whether, whether you are even here. 
wondering why the circumstances they're facing are so hard and so painful. But God, I pray, Lord, that you would bring hope to our hearts and a knowledge that you are working even when it doesn't feel like you are. Lord, we put our, our focus on you, our eyes on you, and we ask you to speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the prophet and, and priest, Jeremiah, he spoke to the, the kingdom of Judah for, for, uh, for 40 years during the reign of five different kings. So kings would come and go, and Jeremiah was the voice from God into, into the nation of Judah. Jeremiah's message was not a popular one because his message was one of repent and turn back to God. No one really likes those messages much, but kind of on the money and a bit, bit close to home for most of us. And Jeremiah prophesied that God's judgment would be sure and swift, and it was. Jerusalem was destroyed. Its people were exiled from the land of promise to a place called Babylon, far from the comfort of their home, far from the promise, far from their purpose. They weren't where they wanted to be. They weren't where they thought they should be. In fact, they were going further and further from what they thought God's plan was for their life. Can anyone identify with that? Sometimes in your life, you feel like every step you're taking is not closer to purpose, but it's stepping away from God's purpose. But can I tell you, God is moving. God is working. He is, he is doing what he does best. He is the chief architect of our lives. Babylon, for the Israelites, was a place of loss and hopelessness, and the very name Babylon means confusion. They would have felt frustrated and disappointed. Ever, ever felt like you're living in Babylon? Ever feel like a day feels a little bit like a day in Babylon? Confused, disappointed, disillusioned? Could be that the circumstances are out of, out of control. Maybe for some, you, you move from another country. I know there's many here that have moved from other nations because you weren't safe in your other nation and you thought you would come and, and everything would go so much better than it was before, but there is now strain in your, in your relationship and your finances and all these things and jobs and, and, and all these things that you thought would be better. It doesn't seem to be better right now. Maybe you've had this vision for your marriage and it feels like it's kind of slipping through your fingers. Maybe you had a vision for your business or your job and, and maybe you've lost your job and this thing that you were believing for and, and it's just not happening like you thought it would. Maybe our own sin, maybe the decisions we've made, the mistakes we've made have caused us to be living in a place we didn't want us to be. Is there still hope in there? Is God still working? Babylon. And it's in this context, in the midst of so much heartache and unrepentant sin, that God gives Jeremiah a fresh word of hope to the people. Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and through to 14, it carries on. It says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Big promises there, but it required a searching after God. And while this promise was given to the Israelite people during the Babylonian exile, it also relates to us today. God gave promises to the people, you know, to, to groups of people in Scripture. 
but they can also be claimed as our own individual promises as well. The same can be said for us. So just as Jeremiah spoke a message of hope to the exiled Israelites, I believe there is a message of hope for us today in 2020. How many people need some hope in, in one or two areas of their life? So here's three thoughts this morning from this passage. Number one, God has the best plan. God has the best plan. How many people think they've got the best plan? <laughs> How's that going for you? Not as well as God's. <laughs> God has the best plan. Jeremiah 29 verse 10 and 11, so the, the preceding verse to the, this famous one that sounds familiar. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. It's from the message version. In your Babylon, it may not look like it, but God has a plan. He knows what he's doing. God's ways and God's thoughts are higher than ours. God has the best plan. Did you know Amy and I, we had a plan this week? The plan was that she would be preaching this morning. Up until about 11 o'clock last night when she said, I just can't. Because head cold and I hadn't prepared this message. This was her message. That wasn't part of my plan. <laughs> it wasn't my plan to get an hour's sleep as I'm trying to work out how I'm going to preach this message. But God's got a good plan. He's got a best plan. And we can trust his plan. And so often when, when, when the, the wheels fall off and, and, our, and our life is falling apart, what do we do? God, the plan's not working. But he says sometimes, actually, this is the plan. I didn't give you the blueprint. Because if I gave it to you, you wouldn't be able to handle it. But trust me, the plan is on schedule. It's going just as I thought it would be. I don't like God's plan. But actually, I do. I'm going to tell you, I do. Because I preached to myself this morning and kind of burst into tears. You missed, you missed an emotional moment this morning. I probably won't go there. Um, I'll, I'll drum up some tears maybe. But it was like God just, I just had to preach this to me. I had a ghostwriter. Yeah, so Amy, Amy wrote the message, but I had to preach it. It was something that needed to, it resonated in my spirit as it came out this morning. God's got a plan. <laughs> He's got a good plan. I remember when we were asked to move to Whangarei, it wasn't a good plan. Um, we, were, we were leading a church and things were going well. You know, we'd gone through a bit of a rough patch and but we felt like things were kind of back on track again. We felt like the church was heading in the direction we wanted it to. And we had great leadership. And uh, we had people like Jaden and Naz and our, and our team. And it was, it, was, it was awesome. And it was going really, really well. And then we found out that we might be coming up here to, as Stephen Bex moved down to Auckland. And around about that time, we found out that we were pregnant with number three, Zoe. Good time to move, right? So... In the pregnancy, Amy went through uh, horrible sleeplessness, insomnia, um, which led to depression, which led to her having to go on medication. And we, we didn't really want to meet a whole lot of new people. You know, the congregation that we were, were leading, Amy was struggling even to be in front of them, let alone come and meet some new people. <laughs> couple of hundred more, <laughs> but scary. wasn't part of our plan, 
but it was a part of God's plan. And, and can, can I say thank you on behalf of Amy and I? Thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to get through it. Thank you for allowing Amy to, to hide for the first little while just to get her head and her heart right. Thank you for being so gracious. It truly is a privilege to serve this amazing family. And, you know, I, I remember being confused in the decision because we didn't really want to leave Tauranga. We, we, we loved being there and we felt like God had called us there. And I, I remember calling, calling one of our elders and, and I, I, just, I just needed his wisdom. We, we hadn't kind of made our decision fully and we we're kind of in that process of, God, is this you? I called him. I said, look, can we catch up? I just want to share something with you. And he arrived for the meeting and he says, I, I, I don't know what you're about to tell me, but all I know is God told me Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a future and a hope. At that point, I burst into tears because he had no idea that that was the founding verse that Luke built this church on. And so, so he gave confirmation for the move that we weren't even sure whether we were going to make or not. And you know what? God's got a plan. He's got a good plan. And, and you might be looking at your life right now going, I don't feel like this is God, your plan. But you watch, you trust, you lean in and trust him and you watch him do above and beyond what you could dream or imagine. He's got you. He's got a good plan. It's the best plan. I believe God was speaking to us. He was also speaking to our church. We had two churches in, in Tauranga. I was leading one and there was another church that was pretty close by, uh, two Elam churches. And when we moved down seven years earlier, I, I said to the national leadership team, I said, well, why don't we just bring the two churches together, become one? I'll, I'll go be youth pastor and kids and worship and just, I'll do whatever. Let's just bring the two together. At that point, they said, no, it wasn't the right, right decision. So we led for seven years. And, and then as we left, the very thing that had been in my heart seven years ago took place. And we took the two churches and we merged them together. And there were gaps in leadership in both churches. One had good youth and one didn't have good youth. And one had good kids programs and one didn't have good kids programs and pastor. And everything just went together. So God had a plan for us. God had a plan for that church. And what God is doing there, they've got their own building now and just seen hundreds and hundreds of people every Sunday. God is good. God's got a plan and it's better than my plan. When I come up with a plan, it's, it's not quite as good as his. There's one thing I've learned about God's plans. It's they're not my plans. And we may not know the answer to the circumstances, but our part is to trust and hope in the goodness of God. Now imagine how the Israelite people would have felt in verse 29, verse, uh, chapter 29, verse 10. So before you get to, I have future and a hope plan for you. I know the plans for you. Before we get to that part, he says, you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. Yeah, exactly 70 years. And he says, get comfortable. Build houses. Plant a garden. You're going to be here for a little while. I'm like, come on, that's not the plan. The plan is to get back to where we were before. Now, I want you to think about where you're going to be in 70 years' time. <laughs> I'm going, mm, yeah. That's a, that's a lifetime. 70 years. Where are we, we going to be in 70 years' time? There'll be a few that'll be, they'll be still hanging in there. 
a couple of young ones here in the service. They'll be, they'll be kicking it still. But uh, I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of time. That, I mean, the, the previous generations that seen the wilderness for 40 years, it's like almost double that. Like, this is a long time to wait for a promise, God. Many realizing that they would die and wouldn't see the promise, and, and others realizing that their children would die, and maybe even their children's children would die before that promise was fulfilled. That's pretty terrifying, right? And yet God said, I've got a future and a hope for you as a people. Here's what we need to know about God. He can use anything to bring about the result he's looking for. For I know that in all things God works together, all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Sometimes we've got to give our plan to God and say, God, I'm going to trust you with your plan. Your plan is better than my plan. But we need to give him permission. Give him permission. Will you trust him? may not look like it, but God has the best plan to give you the future that you hope for. Second thought is that God is watching over you. God's got the best plan, but God is also watching over you. Our Zoe started school in lockdown. So she was five, turned five during lockdown. And so she couldn't go to school, had to do Zoom lessons to start her school and career. And it's kind of a weird, I mean, it's weird for everybody, but kind of weird for a new entrant to you know, have that as their, their experience. The first day at school, um, because of all the COVID restrictions, we weren't allowed out of our car, we weren't allowed into the classrooms, we couldn't walk our kids in for the first day of school. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty tough. And so, so we kind of had to go, all right, give it to the office. And, 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 and she started wandering and had somebody's hand and she was walking towards the classroom and we kind of walked back towards our car and you know, kind of stuck our head up over the fence and going, is she going to be okay? <laughs> now, she didn't know. She didn't care. I mean, she was gone. Yeah, she was ready. <laughs> she wasn't looking back going, oh, Dad, I need you. She didn't. But she didn't know that we were still watching her. But you know what? That's like God. Sometimes we're going, God, I'm walking into this and you're not even here. He goes, I'm watching. I got this. I got this. You're right. We're okay. We're in this together. Don't you worry about it. We're going to get through this. I'm watching you. I'm watching every step you take. When God first calls Jeremiah to deliver this message to the people, we learn something about how God works. Uh, in, in Jeremiah 1, so the opening of this passage, it's, a, it's an amazing start to a prophetic book because God begins to reveal something to Jeremiah about himself. He says, the word of the Lord came to me, this is Jeremiah, and said, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God was putting the very message that he was about to deliver to the Israelite people into Jeremiah, saying, hey, I've got a plan for you, Jeremiah. I've got a plan for you to be a prophet to the nations. But I protested. Anyone protested to God's plan? Yeah, yeah. Anyone argued with God's plan? Yep. Amen. <laughs> but I protested. Oh, no, Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. I used to say that. I'm old now, 43 on Wednesday. Old, old as. Then the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. For you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. It goes down verse 11. Then the word of the Lord came to me asking, what do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. 
Let me just ask, is it almond or almond? Okay. I just, just had a conversation with someone and they thought it was almond. But then uh, somebody told me that we give arms, not alms, to somebody. So I'm like, yeah, cool. Thanks, Brian, for your wisdom. Appreciate that. Almond tree. Uh, almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Now, in the footnote in, in one of the commentaries in this book, um, in, in this passage, it says that re- Hebrew root word for almond tree sounds like the word to watch over, to watch over. The, the um, Verse 12, the translation in the NLT says, and the Lord said, that's right, and it means that I am watching and I will certainly carry out all my plans. What a relief for Jeremiah, for you, for myself, that we can have assurance when God gives us a purpose, he also promises his presence. Even when we don't understand it, we, we can't make sense of it, he gives the promise of his presence. Like Moses said, I'm not going in there unless you go with me. We're not going to go into that promised land unless you come with us. We've got to live our lives. If we live our lives with that, that mindset, God, I'm walking into today and I know you're with me. I don't know all the parts to the plan, but I've given you permission to outwork the plan in my life. And so whatever I face, I'm good with that. Even the difficult moments, I'm okay with that. God doesn't send us out the door, boot us out the door and say, cool, let me know how you get on. It's like, it's like I don't know if any of you have seen that milk ad on TV where, where, that, where that girl goes off to, to go and you know, be independent and pay for her, her milk and she did it all herself, but mum and dad are texting along the way and checking that all the people on the way were making sure that she's okay. Here she was thinking she's got her own plan and she's all grown up and independent, but God is watching over us as we take our steps. I just love that. I love that. Jeremiah 29, 13, 14. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. And, and, and I love this. This is what I love about this, this, this verse. As parents or grandparents or uncles and aunties, have you, have you ever played hide and seek with a toddler? Now, now, the goal is not to stay hidden. Or maybe it is, <laughs> especially if you're babysitting. Yeah. Lock the door, can't find me. Yeah. But the goal is to be found, right? You know, they think they're finding you, but you're helping them find it. It's, it's kind of like you're behind a curtain and you're going, Russell, Russell. Yeah, whoop, whoop. Yeah, whoo, hello, hello. Kids looking around. You're trying to be found, and I think this is God. God's saying, I, I, you're going to find me, but you've you got to come looking for me. You've got to play a little bit of hide and seek with me because you'll find me if you search for me. What is it? There's something about the desire, the desperation in our heart that says, I'm coming after you, God. I want to know your plan. I want to know your purpose. I want to know what you've got for me. Something powerful about we will find him if we seek after him with all of our heart. Has the team come this morning? The third thought is that God can turn this around. The situation you're facing, God can turn it around. God wanted to remind his people that this too will end, and when it does, I will bring you home, I will restore you. He wanted them to know I am the God who is in the restoration business. Not, it's not just his business, it's the primary goal. Jesus is coming back for a bride, spotless without blemish. 
And I love the church. I love this church. I love this community of people. No perfect people allowed here. <laughs> it's not possible. Because we're born into sin. So we already have faults and failures and sin and character stuff that we're always walking through. We're always wrestling with this. But you know what? What a beautiful, beautiful picture of a bride getting ready. Having a shower, getting clean, getting ready for the bridegroom. So what God's doing. He's preparing us. He's getting us ready for the amazing, amazing wedding supper of the Lamb. It's coming. There's a hope that we can look forward to. God can turn this around. The message translation of verse 14, I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. God's decree, bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. Come on, we can count on God. He's good to fulfill His promise. Almost six years on, we see the fuller picture of God's good plan for us to be here in Whangarei. <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers, but I, I ruptured my Achilles tendon um, a week before we arrived here. So Amy was depressed on medication, 32 weeks pregnant, didn't want to meet anybody at all. I was your peg leg pastor, couldn't even stand up. I wanted to come in with strength and confidence and I was just, we were just a mess. And God, yeah, your toe sticking out, says the, the other Achilles <laughs> patient. And you know what? We were broken, truly. Our lives, it just felt like, really? A few weeks earlier, I, I'd, I'd had Luke's number on my phone. About to call him and say, we can't do this. We haven't got what it takes. We, we physically, emotionally... We can't do this. You're going to have to pick someone else. That's where we were at. That was ministry. We were done. We were out of here. Not that we wanted to get out of it, but we just couldn't. In our, in our capacity, we couldn't. <laughs> but I'm so glad that we kind of stuck with God's plan. We are too. <laughs> so glad that we made it up here. <laughs> and thank you for being so kind and gracious. Because you know what? The brokenness that we experienced and we went through, Amy's journey with mental health. I know there's a bunch of people here who have had conversations with Amy. As she's walked towards healing and, and wholeness, and we're still walking it. We're still not all the way there. <laughs> but God's got a plan and He turns it around. He takes our brokenness and He takes all those broken pieces and He puts it all together and says, I got you. You know, I, I discovered a bunch of things over the last five or six years. Wrote a little book about it. <laughs> Learned to love the skin I'm in. I don't have to be anyone else. I'm just, I just get to be me and a better version of me. And the better version of me is, is not by my self-improvement, but by me just getting closer and closer to Jesus every day. The closer I get to Him, the better version of me I become. But I, I, I hadn't grasped that. And I need to find this place of brokenness to then realize who I was and who I was called to be. The brokenness you're going through right now, God's turning that into a story. 
There's going to come a moment where you're going to stand with someone, you're going to sit with someone. There's going to be someone lying on the ground, sobbing, and they need to hear your story of your brokenness that turned around. Come on, we serve a turnaround God who takes what we thought was gone and He says, no, no, it's not finished. I'm not finished with you yet. There is more. This morning, I just want to speak into some of these hopes and dreams. And in a moment, we're going to sing a song. And as soon as the song starts to play, if you need someone to pray with you and agree with you, just come out down the front. And I believe for you that hope will be restored. Those dreams will come to life again. But before we finish, I want to give an opportunity, as we always do every Sunday. We open our doors every Sunday morning for one main reason. Our desire is that people who don't know God will come to know Him. We've got a dream team that that turns up early every morning and puts on their dream team shirt and goes and helps some kids and in the car park and ushering. Why? Because we have a desire to see people know God. That's why we do what we do. And every week we give an opportunity for people to to, to make a decision. So maybe I don't know all, all the answers about God. Join the club, neither do I. But I know and I'm sensing, God, that you are real and that you want to do something in my life. See, the problem with, our, with, with us as humans is there is a sinful nature which we're born into. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, we're born into sin. That sin destroys our relationship with God. And the only way for us to be right with God again is to, to allow God to forgive us of our sins. And He does that through us having a relationship with Jesus. Jesus died on a cross for our sins. He paid the price that I should have paid. As a result of that, I get eternal life, freedom, hope for my future. And if you're here today, you're saying, my sin, I know it's great. Can I tell you that God's forgiveness is greater? We sing it in one of those songs. (laughs) My sin's great, but your love, God, is greater. He wants to take your sin. The Bible says he takes your sin and he throws it into the sea of unforgetfulness. Or forgetfulness. <laughs> Not un- you know what I mean. <laughs> Don't go look in there anymore because it's gone. It's been dealt with. And that's God's love yeah. and his heart for us. So right now, would you like God to take your sin? Throw it into the sin of forgetfulness. You won't, you won't go there anymore. New life, new hope, forgiveness in Jesus. If that's you today, I want to pray a prayer. And you can pray along with me in your heart or out loud. As a church family, we'll pray together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I turn from my old way of living. And I ask you to forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. Thank you for your gift of salvation. I receive it today in Jesus' name. I want to ask you to do one more thing. In a moment, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand if you prayed that prayer for the first time or coming back to God. We're going to just spot your hand and connect with you after the service and have a conversation, help you take your next step, get you connected in a small group and with a group of people that will help you walk the journey. Don't want to embarrass you, but we'd love to know who you are so we can connect with you. So right across this place, one, God loves you. Two, He has a plan and a future for your life. 
three. Why don't you raise your hand right now and say, yeah, I prayed that prayer for the first time. We're coming back to God. Is there anyone here this morning? Anyone this morning? Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you. You truly do have a hope and a future for each one of us. God, I pray we wouldn't give up on your plan because it doesn't look like our plan. God, I pray that hopes and dreams will be restored today. But I hope even as I've been speaking, Lord, something's stirring in people's hearts to say, I believe, I want to believe again. Lord, I pray even for the courage to, as we close, to get up out of our seat, to come and receive prayer, encouragement, so that we could see that hope renewed. In Jesus' name, amen.